0: Welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we're going to continue wrapping up free agency. I hope everyone has had a lovely march. There's been madness going on in the basketball world, but I don't know anything about that, so we are not going to be talking about that. I do enjoy me some free agency. We've, you know, maybe not the most exciting cycle we've ever had. I know a lot of, you know, the main signings people are hoping will go elsewhere, but, you know, in fantasy land they are all important, whether it's that player or someone they're impacting otherwise. So make sure you check out Andrew Erickson and I previous free agency uh, catch up, which was posted last uh, Wednesday, but this will be uh, concluding the rest of the move. So basically plans for this podcast here up until the draft going to have two episodes on Wednesday and Friday, expect more of a news theme on Wednesday. And then on Friday, I'm going to start bringing in some guests to get back, get back into our 10 question series and start learning about some of these prospects while also looking into best ball dynasty, things like that. So plenty of ideas still on the horizon. Always appreciate you all listening and we got plenty of good stuff ahead today, though, the usual suspect joins me Andrew Erickson find him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore Andrew we've reached the end of free agency man it was a hectic week and uh, we got a lot to talk about
1: yeah man I'm totally with you with getting away from basketball all I saw on my Twitter feed was some team named Oral that did really good, and there was a bunch of jokes about it. So that's about all I know when it comes to college basketball.
0: Yeah, they uh, beat down my Buckeyes, but it's a beta sport, so who cares anyway? <laughs> Let's start things off, Andrew, <laughs> with some news that actually dropped this morning. We're recording this on Tuesday, and that is Mike Davis going to the Falcons. I did a running back free agency uh, preview article before this whole thing happened, looking at you know potential dream spots for some of the top guys. And my dream spot for Mike Davis just so happened to be the Atlanta Falcons so again this was from a fantasy perspective and i think it's great man basically my reasoning for it was that someone needs to be the recipient of new coach arthur smith's fancy friendly backfield we saw freaking derrick henry has done over the past few years with that workload and the cap falcons could do worse than davis who racked up you know really i mean he was great last year in terms of just breaking tackles and stuff a legit i mean only nick chubb was averaging more forced broken tackles per attempt than mike davis i mean it wasn't just like all this volume leading the broken tackles the guy was making stuff happen he, he kept kept passes look he's not going to go you know from zero to 100 and just break off these monster gains but truly anyone's idea of a theoretical three down back that also has some plus shiftiness could not ask for a better location just in terms of the falcons really having nobody else to give the ball to on the ground Andrew, we still got the draft coming up so i understand this could change and you know with mike davis i believe he only had three million guaranteed it's not like he's completely locked in the number one spot but right now he sure is looking like fantasy's cheapest three down back
1: Right now he is, and that's kind of what I'm concerned about with the NFL draft coming up. I do think that Atlanta is going to address the running back position in the draft because if you look at Mike Davis's season and this is something that was interesting it was kind of the contract that kind of caught my eye it was two years 5.5 million and I looked back and I was thinking what did the Bears give Mike Davis because I remember he was on the Bears for a hot sec and you know he had that one game I think it was an opener against the Green Bay Packers so they used him a lot and then they just went to David Montgomery so they ended up drafting a running back after signing Mike Davis and it was basically the same contract it was two years six million with the Chicago Bears and then he obviously ended up getting cut by the Bears in November. And I remember that specifically because I was all over Mike Davis. I traded for him in Dynasty. I was sending, you know, second round picks from Mike Davis and in hindsight didn't really it didn't work out because they ultimately opted for a younger more explosive back, maybe not explosive back, but more explosive than he was at the time in David Montgomery. So that's just one of my concerns. Again, his contract is the same as Devontae Booker. It's less than Jamal Williams, who were both other backups. So I don't think this is an indication that, hey, you know, Mike Davis is our guy. We are locked and loaded with him. Again, you mentioned Mike Davis has a tackle breaker. That's the thing he can offer you, but he doesn't offer a lot of explosive upside in terms of Breakaway rip, breakaway runs, yeah. lowest breakaway run percentage in 2020, minimum 150 carries. He finished in third, only ahead of Frank Gore and Ezekiel Elliott. So Mike Davis wasn't offering a lot of explosive plays. And I think that's going of be where the Falcons look to address the position in the draft. Like a Travis Etienne, someone that's going to offer a... You know, a type of lightning to potentially Mike Davis's thunder as a more of a plotting back that can still break tackles and be effective. I think that works well if it's like an ETN who would be better in a committee of sorts. So that's my only concern with him, especially because looking at 2020 versus 2018, when he had a flash with the Seattle Seahawks, his efficiency numbers are really similar. And it's kind of almost and I was actually really surprised because I thought Mike Davis was really good this year and he was, but he was actually. Almost just as good in 2018, he just didn't get as many touches during that season. So again, there's another team that obviously liked what he did this past season, but I don't think that we can just assume and anoint him They locked and loaded RB1 in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, I maintain Mike Davis has always been good. I mean, we had the, you know, the Chicago situation where it's like, yeah, it didn't work out, but the guy had 11 freaking rush attempts to prove himself in (laughs) seven games. You know, it's a little hard to say that he was a failure there. I remember that 2018 Seahawks season because he was legit. I mean, that was when the the Jaguars defense, and maybe it was 2017 where he played because he had two years with the Seahawks, but like there was a game where they were playing the legit loaded Jaguars defense and they were still good. And Davis was out there making guys look silly in space. So, yeah, I get it. You know, he's not going to be, you know, ripping off these, you know, huge long plays and stuff. But guess what? Not a ton of running backs are. And the fact that they got him for this cheap in this situation, Mike Davis, people, is that running back where, you know, even if they do get an ETN or a higher end guy, he's at least going to be, you know, the backup and a backup that we know can be one of the higher end handcuffs in fantasy football. So, yeah, don't go crazy on Mike Davis. But uh, if that ADP is pretty slow to climb because we're all assuming they're going to draft someone, don't be afraid to. A dart in him in the later rounds because, again, even if he doesn't get the starting role, we still have more enough evidence that a minimum very high end backup. Now, a situation where I thought Davis would go to serve as a low cost replacement would be back to the Seahawks, but no, Chris Carson is there. Now, this is a funky contract, we got some more avoidable years. To my understanding, the Seahawks basically got Carson back on a one year, five and a half million deal that they can then go ahead and change if they want to in the future. From that standpoint, I think you got to be happy about it because Carson, you know, even though he's got just this bruising running style and we started to see the injuries pile up, you know, I maintain that. I think we could be looking at, you know, a Marion Barber S drop off as his career goes on. It's just hard to be that physical year after year, uh, particularly in an offense that wants to feed you 300 carries, but Andrew, at least in the year 2021, I think with Carson back in the situation, man, he's locked in as an RB one fancy land.
1: When he's healthy, he's good. It just you have to just swallow the pill and, and realize that he's probably not gonna play sixteen games. He hasn't played sixteen games since he got to the NFL. Last year was the first year he didn't actually end up on IR. He missed about a month during the middle of the season, but during the first six first six weeks of the year, he was a top eight fantasy running back, averaging twenty fantasy points per game, sixteen point five expected fantasy points per game, which both ranked in the top twelve. So You got to like it. I mean, all they're talking about in Seattle is running the football. So it seems like pretty easy to me that you just draft Chris Carson, especially with his ADP not in the three to four range, round range, which is where he probably should be. You can get him in like rounds five and six, which doesn't really – add up when you look at okay well he's a top 12 running back again he has injury concerns but that's really it I'm not worried about we don't really worry about a committee with him for the most part I and mean, Carlos Hyde is gone you have you know Alex Collins is there DJ Dallas Rashad Penny and okay maybe one of those guys will take on Hyde's role but even last year when he was kind of playing you know roughly around 55 percent 60 percent of the snaps I mean he was still an RB1 so I think that you take the value where it is with Chris Carson and okay he gets hurt at some point like whatever I'll just take the you know half a season of RB1 production from Carson.
0: And we did see more involvement in the passing game last year. He has been able to do that. He's a legit three-down back and depending, you know, we've been talking before about Rashad Penny maybe being the sneaky guy to look at. We just don't really know what his health situation is like. I don't think DJ Dallas really did anything as a rookie to make us think this could be more of a committee. Treat Chris Carson people as a legit top 12 RB in fantasy land. I can't wait to watch him again, man. Truly. Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, only guys averaging more yards after contact per attempt than Carson since he entered to the league. Love when those stats just match up right with what we see on the film. Truly, that guy is a handful to get to the ground. Andrew, now we're about to get into some ugly running back situations. I love Mike Davis, the Falcons. I love Carson, the Seahawks. That is it as far as what I love here because these next three are pretty brutal. Let's start with Kenyon Drake to the Raiders. I mean... I actually was hoping Drake would maybe take a discount, go back to his – he's from Georgia, maybe go back to Falcons. I don't know what the hell this is because we still have Jalen Richard there. Drake is someone that in the past looked like he could be you know more elusive as a pass down back. That was not the case in the year 2020. Josh Jacobs, we all – literally every single fantasy football fan in the world wants Josh Jacobs to get more targets. John Gruden does not. It's going to be not just a two running back committee. It's going to be three running backs. And the one saving grace for all these running backs was the fact that the Raiders offensive line for all these years had so many resources pumped into it that you could at least, you know, hope that they'd have some holes there. No longer a guarantee, Andrew. So we lost volume and we lost a good offensive line. I mean, truly from 2015 to 2020. The worst the Raiders ranked in positional spending on the offensive line was fifth. Right now, ahead of 2021, they are 31st. This could be catastrophic because last year, again, things were good. Derek Carr, he had a good amount of time. He was throwing downfield more and that was fine. If we get that version of him back where he's getting pressured too often and all of a sudden his goal becomes get the ball out as quick as humanly possible, we're going to see Darren Waller catch you know 150 passes. (laughs) Other than that, I don't even know what to make this offense, man. It seems like a situation because not only can we say looking at the overall picture like I think we can all agree you know the overall upside is far reduced because of this offensive line and potential for Carr to maybe take a step back now and then when you add in just the muddled situation at running back and I know we're not even talking about wide receiver but that situation too like other than Darren Waller I don't want to touch anyone in this offense
1: agreed it's a mess I'm not sure what Mike Mayock is doing it all goes back to just taking Henry Ruggs at 12 when you should have addressed the offensive line. It's just it, tons of issues that this Raiders team is going through right now. And the one thing I will say about Kenyon Drake, at least, and I guess this is me kind of coming to defend him. And I, Kenyon Drake wasn't a player I was on last year. I didn't really like where he was being drafted. I thought he was being overvalued as, you know, a fringe top, you know, RB, RB1. And I kind of think he was actually miscast last year as a early down back. You know, we saw him get 230 carries for the first time basically ever. He's never really been a, you know, in between the tackles grinder, either in his days in Miami or in his days at Alabama. He's always been in a committee. So I think that for Drake's actual efficiency, I think that this is actually not the worst spot for him to be with Jacobs because I think he can. Take back his pass catching role from 2017 to 2019. Drake was 12th overall in running backs among targets. You know, and he averaged nearly 60 targets per season. So last year, look, I mean, it's not out of the range of outcomes that our our friend over in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury, hashtag fake sharp, didn't use Kenyon Drake the right way. I mean, he had DeAndre Hopkins running a, you know, extremely uninspiring route tree at one point. So It doesn't surprise me to see that Drake kind of failed in that role. Like he couldn't do, he wasn't creating yards after contact because he wasn't fresh. So I think Drake is kind of interesting as a guy, potentially, if you can get him in, you know, the double digit rounds as a backup again, he probably actually has more value than Jacobs does because you're assuming that Drake gets a full workload if Jacobs gets hurt. And then, okay, now we have a three down workhorse, whereas Jacobs is never going to see a three down workload ever, because even if Drake is to get hurt, then it's going to be Rashard in the game or some other running back off the street, just they're just going to stop us from enjoying Josh Jacobs. And that's the thing that sucks about it because you know, at Alabama, that was Josh Jacobs kind of claim to fame was, Oh, he can be used out. wide, you can be used like dynamic in these really cool ways. And the Raiders had took him the first round and have done nothing with him. And that has me worried about Henry Ruggs, because if they can't figure out how to use Jacobs, like, why would they fail to figure out how to use Henry Ruggs? So they also took in the Man. first round. So it's yeah, the the Raiders are our team that is definitely on the decline At you know, with what they've done in free agency so far.
0: I mean, look, we wanted the Jacobs boom last year because they got rid of DeAndre Washington. They added Devontae Booker. And was like, OK, all the talks about getting him more involved in the passing game. It just didn't happen. He got a slight increase. But I mean, still, we saw him have 45 targets and Jalen Richard and Devontae Booker combined for 44. So Jacobs, you know, it was like one of the more frustrating, you know, 300 plus uh, touch workloads because of as we were bringing up the versatility, we've seen him display, you know, at various points throughout uh, his, you know, collegiate and NFL career. So it's just one of these situations where, again, maybe we could get behind this a little bit more if we still had, you know, the underlying proof that this offensive line, this overall offense could be a high level unit with that out of the picture. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much fading this entire group at their current cost. Hey, you know, everyone could be a value at the right ADP, so I don't want to say never say never. If Drake does start falling into the deep rounds, okay, fine. But as things stand, and if these guys are anywhere, both anywhere close to, you know, top 24, top 30 RBs, I'm staying the hell away people, and I would recommend you do so too. Uh, Andrew, I think you're going to have several less kind words to say about the next situation. That is Philip Lindsay joined the Texans. Lest we forget, Mark Ingram also joined uh, this train wreck of an organization right now. And then, of course, we have David Johnson, who restructures contract track to stay there as well before we get into that people we do not know what's going on the Deshaun watson situation it is incredibly messy i think it's up to 14 accusers um yeah once we find out more information i'll be happy to update you but very serious you know we don't know if you know if some of the allegations out there are true you know it's going to be a very real possibility we don't see deshaun watson play another snap in the league maybe Maybe it's not the case. We don't know. So we're just going to stay away from that. So right now, focusing on the Texans, Andrew, thoughts on this backfield? If the answer is just no, man. that That is fine, too.
1: We're looking at the league's ugliest <sighs> three-headed monster in 2021. David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, all garnering five touches a game, five carries a game. It's going to be an absolute mess because it's this seems like this is what they're doing with the receivers too they're just adding a bunch of you know no name receivers because they don't have any draft picks i I don't know what they're doing they're just it seems like they're just like fine with everyone's gonna get five carries everyone's gonna get five targets no one's gonna be fantasy relevant i almost want us to go back to you know 2001 you know the texans weren't in the league we had 31 teams look we got two bye weeks let's figure it out we can we can you know have the texans sit out one year we'll go back to 31 teams and and we'll be good
0: Relegate him. I like him. Man. I've been wanting to get into a fantasy football league that does it. I've heard you know some. I know really big ones have all these different levels, but I would love like you know being in like a 12 team league, and then like the loser every year goes down some four team bracket or some madness. So yeah, I am all for uh, that solution. Quickly moving on, we got Mike Boone joining the Denver Broncos. Andrew, now for all you true DFS preseason degens out there, you're probably <laughs> well, well aware that Mike Boone actually is uh, a very solid talent, at least with a few opportunities we have seen him have over the years so obviously you know it was always Dalvin Cook and then Alexander Madison and then even Amir Abdullah were there to split up time when Boone did happen to get uh, you know chances but hey I mean he averaged 3.5 yards after contact per carry which is actually just ahead of what Chris Carson had again you know very far fewer attempts than Carson. So I get it. You know, you, you don't assume like in basketball, you don't assume a 40% three point shooter is going to keep shooting that. If you double his volume very reasonably, you know, could be the case of Boone as well. With that said, man, Philip Lindsay has gone. Melvin Gordon didn't exactly ball out last year. And, you know, with the late season DUI thing, I wouldn't say he's in the, you know, good graces of the organization. Mike Boone might just be, you know, a pretty solid target in the back half of drafts. Cause you know, similar to a uh, Mike Davis, doesn't have the same you know, immediate potential upside, but it seems like worst case, he's going to be you know, the number two back and still get a handful of touches per week. And best case, how he could take the thing over.
1: Mike Boone was a big riser in my Dynasty rankings update. He was basically outside the top 100 because he was just irrelevant, like you said, behind Madison, behind Cook behind Amir Abdullah just couldn't get on the field but anytime we saw him he flashed we I mean, had that one game at the end of the 2019 season against the Chicago Bears rushed for over 140 yards and he ripped off three rushes of 10 yards or more look Melvin Gordon's not the youngest guy he's 28 years old and like you mentioned you know he's had some issues off the field so far again it doesn't look like he's going to miss any time because of that but you know the Broncos did go out and spend some money on him and look heading into next year melvin gordon is going to be a free agent in 2022 and so is royce freeman so even if he doesn't do anything this year if he does enough he could potentially be their starting running back in 2022 so again maybe not this year but looking more in the long term if he's a guy that's available i think that you should pick him up for sure get him super cheap because yeah man he's a spark x freak and he's got explosive upside which not many running backs can say they have
0: Explosive upside, everybody. Truly, the Mike Boone preseason highlight reel. If you're looking for a YouTube treat, (laughs) it might just be out there. We're going to take a quick break to pay some bills. The NCAA tournament is in full swing, and the action hasn't disappointed, just like when Oral Roberts took my Buckeyes straight to hell in round one with a 15-over-2 upset. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It is that simple, everybody. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook. Has 100 to 1 odds on select fighters for this weekend's UFC 260 as well. People, come on. Ohio, we need to bounce back. Back my guy, Steve Miocic against Francis Naganu. I know he's scary, but hey, go back and watch that uh, first fight. Don't just look at the pictures of the guys. So everyone remember, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code PFF. Turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers, only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Andrew, moving on to the wide receiver group. And man, have quite a few big changes to talk about here. Most notably, Kenny Galladay has taken his talents to the Big Apple. Huge deal to become Daniel Jones' number one wide receiver. Andrew, we have not talked about this yet, but I've seen you make quite a name for yourself over on the old uh, Twitter.com with some, uh, you know, I know you're not copying on one to one, but basically saying that 2021 uh, Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay could be a sort of version of 2020 Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. Andrew, tell the people how and why you come to this conclusion that I don't hate, but I want to hear more about it.
1: I think that your portrayal of that was spot on because... Again, it's probably not going to be Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, but it's going to be, hey, I'm a third year quarterback and I just got an alpha wide receiver and I'm going to do better in my third year because of this receiver that I can now throw to I think that the match between Kenny Galladay and Daniel Jones just works really well from what Daniel Jones has shown us that he can do in the league. Look, Daniel Jones is someone that will throw contested balls and he will throw downfield. Like he did that his rookie year when he was under Pat Shermer and he did it last year, you know, with the highest passer rating on throws 20 plus yards downfield, 132.5. His tight window rate was 22 percent. Tied for fourth highest in the league was only 2 percent points lower than Ryan Fitzpatrick, 24 percent, who actually led the league in tight window throws so again Kenny Galladay not your separator guy that's not his role that's not what he does but Daniel Jones is at a point where look there's a reason why he turns the ball over so much is because number one he holds on to the ball too long and number two he's not afraid to make tight window throws so yes it does result in interceptions a lot of the time but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a disaster in fantasy football and that we've inserted an alpha wide receiver into the lineup with Kenny Galladay and I think something that, that people forget about with Galladay and kind of gets over overshadowed with Stafford in 2019 was I think that Stafford's you know MVP start to that season I think a lot of that had to do with actually with Kenny Galladay Kenny Galladay was on absolute fire you know he was a top 10 fantasy wide receiver he's basically been a top 10 fantasy wide receiver the last two seasons in his splits playing with Matthew Stafford and let's not forget about that back end of 2019 when he was playing with David friggin Blau Chase Daniel he was a wide receiver 15 so to see rankings of Kenny Galladay outside the top 24 I don't know I just I don't get that I mean I understand if you don't want to rank him in your top 12 I think I just kind of settled him around 14 I think that that's really kind of capturing his upside but right now, he's still going in the fifth, sixth round. And I want him in that spot because I think that he has a lot of upside. He's a double-digit touchdown guy. He can get 1,000 yards. He's not someone who's going to have 100 catches like Diggs. But he could have. He has the touchdown upside. So that's why I'm in on Kenny Galladay. I'm staying at the Galladay Inn this summer.
0: <laughs> I like it. Look, Galladay, <laughs> I believe he's 27 now. He's, you know... I don't think he is going to age particularly well because of these separation issues that everyone loves to bring up. But in the year 2021, I don't think it's going to be an issue because the guy is the best contested catch receiver in the league by a ton of metrics, people. I mean, look, it's only Galladay, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Stefan Diggs, guys that have caught at least 60% of their contested targets since 2017 among 81 qualified guys. And nobody has a higher PFF receiving grade than Galladay on the contested targets. Now, it was interesting with Diggs and Allen because Diggs Diggs in 2019 was number one receiver in the league and yards gained 20 plus yards downfield. Now, we know he's he can do everything out there. I'm not trying to say he, he's only a field stretcher, but bringing him into Buffalo, it was more thought of like, okay, the one thing Allen's really struggled with is his deep ball. We got him one of the best deep ball receivers in the league. Let's see how it works. It's not really how it played out. They almost put Diggs, You know, he was running curls like more than anybody. They really kind of changed his role and he was good enough to do that. I don't even think we need to jump to that assumption now with Galladay and I think he deserves to be ranked a little bit more highly than what we had digs at comparatively. Remember, Diggs was like a you know, wide receiver 25-ish uh, with a lot of his ADP, even entering the league. I think Galladay does deserve to be anyone's idea of a top 24 option. And I think, you know, wide receiver 14, maybe a little steeper than I'd have him, but I think you'll be hard-pressed to rank uh, 20 guys ahead of him for sure because Daniel Jones, to your point, already likes throwing downfield, already likes throwing the tight windows. Galladay's is one of the best receivers in the league in both of those situations. So, you know, history of receivers changing new teams isn't great but when we got you know over what over 80 million reasons 60 60 plus million reasons why you know you should, you should uh, continue feeding them i am down to chase galladay's production in an offense that really doesn't have any room to go but up
1: and i think too as well galladay going into the wide receiver one chair in that giant's offense allows every other receiver to play a role that's more of their actual style like This means Sterling Shepard doesn't have to play outside. Like that means we can put him back in the slot where he's probably the best fit. It's not there's no Golden Tate anymore. And now you can put Darius Slayton. Okay, now instead of Darius Slayton facing, you know, Darius Slay and number one cornerbacks. okay, now he can face, you know, number two cornerbacks because the defense is more about Galladay. So, again, I'm not, you know, out here, you know, voicing my support for Darius Slayton. Again, he was a fifth round pick and he's flash, but the guy can still win downfield and he has speed. And yep. the same thing with John Ross. So now you have these guys opposite of Kenny Golly who can stretch the field. You have Evan Ingram who can stretch the field from the seams. And you're going to take on Barkley back. You know, arguably one of the most dynamic running backs in the league. And, dude, Daniel Jones can throw six touchdowns on screens this year. <laughs> so I think, and especially we didn't mention Daniel Jones specifically, but I think that this is a huge win for him to kind of capture some of that upside that we saw from his rookie season. Look, last year, the biggest thing with Daniel Jones and why we were all fading him was because the schedule was absolutely brutal. And it's so important with quarterbacks just the who you're playing. He was week one Steelers. Oh, great. Sick. (laughs) Going to start Daniel Jones. That's not the case this year. No, the Giants have one of the more easy schedules, just the NFC East in general, because it was so bad last year. They're just naturally playing just other bad teams. So I think that's going to take a huge difference. I think Daniel Jones is going to be a much better fantasy uh, quarterback this year.
0: Better supporting cast, easier schedule. Wish we had a new offensive coordinator, but beggars yep, that, dude, cannot. That's,
1: that's literally it, though. That's the one. And, and I know you have tweeted it out, too, with him on the train or the bus <laughs> or whatever. But that's the thing. Like, that's the thing that could just destroy everything. And that sucks that it's there. But it's something you got to live with.
0: Yeah, if you haven't seen it, people Google Jason Garrett train. and You'll just get this. I, I, I can't help but laugh every time I see it. Just him sticking uh, sticking that Harvard grad head out of a moving train for whatever reason. Jason Garrett, maybe he will uh, have a career resurgence in 2021. For Daniel Jones truthers out there, you would certainly hope so. But yes, Andrew, I mean, Kenny Gauda, even if we could find other situations in the league, maybe where he would have more fancy value or the offense would be better, I think you could put him on all 32 teams and that would be a better version of the offense with him than without him. Another player that does fit that criteria is our President Jared Evans, number one truther Will Fuller uh, with the Miami Dolphins now. Not great. We had dreams of the Cardinals, of the Packers. This is not a good fantasy situation for Fuller compared to what you could see else, elsewhere. With that said, Andrew, I mean, he's locked in as a number two receiver. We have seen Fuller, you know, really just ball out whenever healthy, pretty much for the duration of his career. Now that's come with Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, under center. And I understand fully that Tua is not Deshaun Watson. With that said, Tua, I mean, look who it was going to last year, man. It was either contested... Te- contested catch guys really made for Ryan Fitzpatrick or just backups, you know, like Mac Hollins, Lynn Bowden, who I'm not trying to hate on, but just guys that did not have much experience out there down the stretch. I mean, he had the eighth highest drop rate among all quarterbacks last year. There were some down moments from Tua. There were also a lot of moments where his teammates were not giving him much help. So, Andrew, right now, I'm treating, I think, Fuller and Parker, because they're probably going to be priced as wide receiver threes, should almost be targets because we're seeing them closer to their floor than their ceiling. Like it's almost like the situation Fuller was in last year with the Texans. People were so concerned about his injuries and stuff that we saw him being priced really far down, again, closer to that floor. So maybe I'm, you know, believing a little bit too much in a 2 a bounce back, but I don't think he was as bad as everyone thought. And I think adding someone like Fuller is only going to bring out the better version in him. Are you in agreement, Andrew, or do you just want to avoid this passing game?
1: No, I don't think you can avoid it because I think that you shouldn't be out on Tua altogether. The guy, we don't have enough to to make a, a bold statement about his career and, and what they're going to do with him. And, and the Dolphins, at least, have showed us that it looks like they're pretty much committed to him. They signed Jacoby Brissett. So again, they've already brought in a veteran quarterback that doesn't really pos- you know pose a threat to Tua's to job security, not like a Ryan Fitzpatrick player. So, I mean, look, I, I still think that Will Fuller could be a wide receiver three because he's going to have splash weeks. Again, that's just the type of receiver he is. It doesn't really matter what team he was going to be on. He was going to have splash weeks at some point because that's just kind of the game that he offers. But the biggest concern is just that they have a bunch of guys that are unreliable on a week-to-week basis. You know, Devontae Parker's dealt with injury issues. Preston Williams has never finished a season. Will Fuller, again, obviously his name precedes himself as, as someone that's never finished a season as well. So that's the main concern is I don't think they should stop adding to their passing game in terms of receivers. I think they continue to add guys in the draft. So really I think it's really less about Fuller and just more about stock up on Tua Tango Viola. Yeah.
0: Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get your opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus. That's promo code PFF for new customers to get an opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They will provide the most interesting football conversations and sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season and now back to the podcast and just keep in mind everyone yes again he is going to see a drop off in efficiency i can almost guarantee that but he was only on pace for 109 targets across 16 games last year i mean it wasn't like watson was force feeding fuller it was really 1a 1b with brandon cooks and fuller it's not out of the question to think that fuller could actually see more targets in miami than he would have seen in houston to possibly even out kind of the reduced efficiency so you know with fuller hey at wide receiver one which he was last year if you were asking me to buy him at that right now absolutely not but with this discount that we're currently getting because the public is just kind of already done with Tua for whatever reason I do think uh, Fuller is someone to continue to keep an eye on in the mid late rounds of fantasy drafts all right Andrew Next one, I hate in real life. The Steelers brought back Juju Smith Schuster. He took a discount to stay uh, in, in uh, you know, f- uh, with that familiar offense that just gave him 128 targets last year. I think it's his best case scenario in terms of where he could have gone to be a fantasy star. Now, this is bad news for Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool because now we don't have those 128 vacated targets leaving the, <laughs> leaving the offense. Now, Deontay, 144 targets in 15 games last year. I mean, Claypool had all those touchdowns while losing a ton of snaps to James Washington. We would assume that Claypool is going to be much more of an established uh, starter in the year, two. So it's not like they can't produce, but now... Everyone's back to being these kind of borderline wide receiver twos. I think deontay deserves to be treated as the one again. 144 targets in 15 games. He throw in the freaking playoff game where he had you know 15 plus. Like that's just too much volume for a good player to bust. And even Juju, if he's getting all this all these targets again, even though I think he looked like a shell of himself athletically, he's probably still going to be producing. It just lowers the ceiling for everyone involved. And i'm disappointed about it. I don't see myself really now targeting, going out of my way to targeting these guys. To me, they're upside wide receiver threes with the exception of Deontay is a little bit higher and I don't
1: love him. Am I wrong? So your order, what's your order of the three? So Deontay's first and then
0: Deontay. I would put Claypool just (laughs) ahead of Juju, but I don't have a good feel on it. I think they'll probably be like right next to each other, but definitely Deontay teardrop off Claypool Juju. I won't disagree if you want to switch them.
1: Okay, so that's how I see it as well. So I have Deontay first and then Claypool and then smith Schuster. And this is something I was struggling with because you know last Friday when this news broke this was not my ideal Friday. I had other plans than, than Juju going back to Pittsburgh and then me trying to figure, oh, well, now I got to put these, you know, 120 targets back in the offense and figure out how to, you know, distribute them because it, it was wheels up for Johnson and Claypool. It was like, all right, sick. We have so many targets to work with. Like this guy can be a wide receiver one. This guy can be a wide receiver two. Like this is going to be great. We got Calvin Ridley's, Chris Godwin's of 2021. Yeah. Like this is going to be absolutely perfect. But then Juju, you know, s- kind of shocked everybody by ended up going back to the Steelers when he actually had, you know, more money deals on other teams like the Chiefs so that's another just can get into that a little bit later but it's definitely interesting to see it but for me I still think Deontay is is the clear runaway kind of like what you said you know looking at last year I really tried to dive into because he got hurt in so many games last year like in the middle of the game so the points per game you know fantasy points per game doesn't really do him justice so I kind of tried to figure out games that he actually played the full one full game and it was really 12 games where he was really in there the entirety of the the contest and in those games, I mean, in terms of expected fantasy points, you know, he was second overall among all receivers, 18.5 in the 12 full games that he played. And that's because of all that target volume that he was getting. So if Ben Roethlisberg back under center, I don't see why we wouldn't see Deontay Johnson just continue to get all of those targets. And for Juju, the one thing that I was concerned about, or I was I was hoping that would change when he would go to a new team, was his average depth of target. You know, last year, it was 6, 6.0, which ranked 107th out of 112 qualifying wide receivers. So is that going to change? Because that in itself just has zero upside attached to it. And that's why I want to almost lean towards a Chase Claypool because, hey, you know, Big Ben's arm may be shot. His deep ball might be shot. But At least he's going to get some deep ball targets one way or another, whereas Juju Smith-Schuster is not getting any of those. And he hasn't shown over the past two years that his yards after the catch ability that was there his first two years of the season has really fallen off. So he's not making explosive plays after the catch, which you need to do if you have such a low average depth of target. So for me, Smith-Schuster is really hard for me to get behind again in this range where these receivers are going, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round, there are a lot of other receivers on other teams that you can draft. So I think for me, it's like, I like Deontay Johnson. If he's kind of going in the same range as the other guys, like, okay, I'm, I'm good with him. But after that, it's like, maybe I'll take a stab on Claypool because, you know, he could take a step in his second season. We see that all the time. And Claypool just has a, you know, alpha profile to him. And he flashed, you know, super explosive in his nat- last year. But with Smith-Schuster, I'm kind of like, where's the upside like what am i what am i looking for so he needs to like either out target johnson or like get his role completely changed so i can only see him kind of getting to maybe the second receiver on the steelers in fantasy whereas the other two i could see i could see claypool like taking the leap or i could see johnson you know maintaining the wide receiver one status but you I'm just like really struggling to get behind.
0: Juju needs to get back to looking like the freaking beast he was in the first two years in the league. I understand life was much easier when Antonio Brown was out there to draw away coverage, but like just with the ball in his hands in the open field, when things have gone right, when Juju gets the ball in space, doesn't even resemble the same guy. Now he was routinely missing practices throughout last season with a knee injury. Uh, you know our 32 for 32 series, we found out from beat writers that yes, you know he was playing through the pain, and that would make sense. So. Juju Juju, I don't want to write him off just yet. I mean, he's only he's one of just 11 receivers in NFL history with at least 35 receiving yards before turning 25. He has put together some legit seasons, but clearly, as we saw with the Steelers, like there's a reason they gave him only a one-year deal worth, you know, $8 million or a little bit over uh, if that's what it was, but like Steelers and us should have reservations just realize that you know at this potentially reduced cost he is going to have the sort of volume to make up for it and if he can get back to looking like that past guy which is hard to you know project that he'll do uh, could see a lot more upside last thing and you mentioned this briefly Andrew so the 2019 Chris Goblin which became the 2020 Calvin Ridley the whole thesis of this idea it's an underrated third year wide receiver that has flashed really high in efficiency and they're now set to benefit that benefit from enhanced volume thanks to teammates leaving both those two situations Goblin with Humphreys and Djax leaving, and then Ridley with Muhammad Sanu leaving. We we're, were looking at just guys that hadn't had the volume and now suddenly they did. I was all in on Deontay Johnson being that guy. We have to cancel him now. And honestly, he didn't fit the same profile in terms of efficiency anyway. So now, Andrew, I think there's two top contenders, but they're bigger reaches in the past. I think Scotty Miller, if AB ends up leaving, and Miko Hardman with Watkins, Demarcus Robinson apparently leaving, could be the next contenders. I'm not. Not ready to make a statement on either. And uh, shout out to friend of the podcast, Rich Rebar. You can find his always fantastic fantasy analysis over at Sharp uh, Football. Rich brought up the point that it's just A.J. Brown. We don't have to always get fully in the weeds. So maybe the answer, again, A.J. Brown's not undervalued. Right now, he's my number two wide receiver behind Devontae Adams. Even, you know, people that are less high in him than myself, I think you'll be hard-pressed to find him outside uh, the top 10. But maybe the answer is just A.J. the wide receiver one uh, season and not Scott or Miko but we will see that's uh, something we'll continue to keep tabs on throughout the rest of the season. All right Andrew five more wide receivers I want to go over none nearly as you know influential as those top uh three guys we talked about though. First up Deshaun Jackson to the Rams returning the cow. Uh, if you don't remember him back in the mid-2000s, just tearing it up uh, over at Cal Berkeley. That was a fun time. I love this signing, Andrew. I was hoping the Rams would get John Ross as, you know, just their field stretching. Number three, cheaper wide receiver. But DJx I mean, he fits that same mold. The question is if he can stay healthy. Are you going to be taking any, uh, you know, late round chances to say that, hey, maybe he can be healthy and provide McVay with his best field stretcher since Brandon Cooks
1: it's it's tough to say because that's the thing he's gonna come in he's gonna catch an ADR touchdown at some point so if you if you draft him in a best ball he's probably gonna at least give you one good week so I guess he's worth it in the last in the last round of a draft again I think it's better just in terms of getting a piece of you know Matthew Stafford just another element again all the splits I don't have them on the top of my head but every split of every quarterback Deshaun Jackson's played with, you know, everything goes up, you know, yeah. quarterback rating goes up, touchdown percentage goes up, everything just goes off the charts. And, and that's part of the reason why I was really into Carson Wentz last year. I remember I was like, Deshaun Jackson's coming back, like this is going to be great, like Carson Wentz, like here we go. And Deshaun Jackson got hurt. And then, and I think Eric Eager, you know, friend of the show from PFF, he made a really good comment about Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun Jackson's so good that, When teams leave, when teams lose him, it becomes like a detrimental to the team because they're like, oh no, like we don't have him. So at least in this case, I don't think that the Rams are going in. Hey, like Deshaun Jackson, like needs to be like a huge part of our offense to succeed. They do have Van Jefferson there entering his second season, so hopefully he can develop as well alongside D. Jack. So I think it's a good fit, and I I don't think that if Deshaun Jackson is getting hurt, I don't think it's going to tank the Rams, you know, entire season or entire offense, especially with, you know, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, you know, the one and two.
0: Yeah, and it also just wouldn't be surprising if d isn't even the full-time number 3 wide receiver. That goes to Van Jefferson. They use him more uh, situationally. So, yeah, I, I think there are better end of you know the draft targets here. Because, hey, w- you can talk yourself into pretty much anyone as like a round uh, 18 best <laughs> ball target. Uh, personally, my preferred guy right now on underdog, everybody, is Lynn Bowden. Because he is being enlisted as an RB and has a legit chance to just be the Dolphins' uh, starting slot receiver. So, that's my preferred guy at the moment. Or I'll be addressing tight end not quite quite going to roll the dice with Deshaun Jackson. Next up, we had the Titans signed former Rams number three wide receiver, Josh Reynolds. He is now set to be the number two guy with Corey Davis, with the Jets, and with Adam Humphreys. Still a free agent, I believe. Right, Andrew? I'm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard anything with Humphreys. This leaves, and uh, credit to Rotoworld's I'm I'm calling rotor world. Credit to rotor John Daigle, for uh, <laughs> keeping up with the available targets in the air yards. Uh, it's a great uh, you know just a great resource to have. Right now, the Lions, the Jaguars, and the Titans are the top three teams in terms of total unaccounted for targets from last season. So. All right, we don't need to spend I, – I could spend an hour, but we don't need to talk about A.J. Browns, you know, just sky-high upside with John Hugon, <laughs> with Corey, with Humphreys. We all understand A.J. Browns. Anyone's idea of a wide receiver one, we don't need to debate if he's number two or number 10 or whatever. Andrew, who are you interested in otherwise, though? Because Furkser, he's kind of been the trendy tight end, but I feel like Josh Reynolds, just in terms of projected targets, he's probably someone we should be paying a little more attention to.
1: Josh Reynolds is interesting because he's never been able to – get to the number two receiver chair in an offense. So he's always been a number three. And when he's been a number three, he's been pretty decent in the times that he's filled in. So whether it was for an injured Cooper Cup, you know, at the end of the 2018 season, he averaged 10.9 fantasy points per game, you know, playing alongside Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods in 2019. He had a three game stretch with a 90% snap share, averaged 10.7 fantasy points per game. And then last year he had a couple games, he had four games, at least eight targets, and 12 or more fantasy points. So, again, he's going to have an opportunity that he's never had before in an NFL offense as the team's number two. So, but a number two receiver on the Titans run first offense, is that really more like a number three on another team? Like, you could make the comparison that they're probably pretty similar to each other. So, again, You don't need to go out of your way to try to draft Josh Reynolds. I will say that with the Titans, I think that the Titans are going to actually probably have to throw a little bit more this year. I mean, their defense is really shaky. Awful. Yeah. Not shaky,
0: Andrew. (laughs) Awful.
1: Their, Their defense is approaching earthquake status in terms of how shaky they are. It's, it's not good, and they may have to throw the ball a lot more than a lot of other t- players would anticipate. So that makes Josh Reynolds look. Corey Davis, I remember last year, Corey Davis was literally left for dead in best ball drafts, despite the fact that when you just kind of took a large scope of his role, it's was like, OK, he's a number two receiver with no competition on an offense with an above average efficient passer. That's the same case with Josh Reynolds right now. And he's basically free in all drafts. So I know I took him in a a best underdog best ball draft in the 18th round because he was there and just got signed and I was on the clock. I was like, hey, why not? I'll just do it. And it makes sense to just, if you draft A.J. Brown, just draft Josh Reynolds too. And that way, okay, I have basically all the targets for the Titans passing game with these two guys. So, and and one of them is free. So I think Josh Reynolds is an interesting guy. And he's also flashed, you know, as a deep guy, a deep threat. And that's kind of what Corey Davis was. Again, him and A.J. Brown were pretty similar in terms of, averaged up to the target last year, but Josh Browns has been traditionally used more downfield so he's got some upside there.
0: Titans could be a fun, you know, sneaky-ish stack to just try to attack in uh, some of these best ball drafts just because, yeah, even if they want to run the ball as much as humanly possible I do not their defense is going to really let them do that same thing with the Seahawks so, yeah, you know, we don't want pass catchers in an offense with p- the projected lead, leading rusher on it I get it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility for Derrick Henry to lead the league in carries and for A.J. Brown to lead the league in targets right beside him, so Probably not. But with that in mind, someone like Josh Reynolds could very well uh, be a smashing value at their current, you know, ADP, which is pretty much non-existent. So yes, yet another uh, later round wide receiver you can certainly (laughs) dig your teeth in. But hey, these are the offenses we want to be, you know, attacking. Number four scoring offense from last year. Number 24 and scoring defense. Because then even if our, you know, hopeful efficiency doesn't pay off, they're at least getting the volume from being on anyone's idea of a bad team. Next up, my guy, I wanted him to go to the Chiefs. Instead, he went to the Lions. Brashad Perryman. I'm very excited with what Perryman could do here, though. From a fantasy, just a pure volume perspective, this might be the best situation because, Andrew, the Detroit Lions depth chart, we've made it pretty much through free agency, and it is still a disaster. We're looking at Brashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams coming off, you know, season just missed with a shoulder injury, Victor Bolden, Quintez Cephas, Tom Kennedy, and as of this morning, uh, Califf Raymond, who's pretty much, you know, just a full-time field stretcher. And by full-time, I mean like 10 snaps, A game. So Andrew, it's not good, but like the Titans, like the Seahawks, this Lions defense is gonna be awful. I know we don't like Jared Goff, but the guy has still proven he can put up, you know, some level of passing numbers, whether it's in garbage time or not, it all counts the same in fantasy land. I think, and again, we've mentioned a lot of guys, but I want to be clear. Limbode and the Prashad Perryman are my two favorite end of draft targets right now because if you just look at their potential projected volume, particularly in Perryman's case, I mean, we could see 120 plus targets for the guy.
1: Right now, yeah, that's definitely what it looks like. I'm definitely taking Prashad Perryman over Tyrell Williams, that's for okay. sure. And the thing that's with Prashad Perryman, it's really interesting. I, I kind of forgot how good he was at the end of 2019. I was looking more into it and he finished. As PFF's second highest graded receiver against man coverage in 2019. And this is something that Dan Campbell has voiced about when talking about the acquisitions of Brashad Perryman, of Tyrell Williams, and kind of moving on from Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones because. Those guys have been more of contested catch receivers and you know credit to the Lions. They're looking at Jared Goff and they know that he's not a tight window thrower. Like that's not his game. And it was honestly smarter them if they're going to roll with Goff as their quarterback to not bring back a holiday, to not bring back Marvin Jones because they need guys that win with separation, which, you know, I was, I really surprised was like, wow, like Rashard Perman was really good against like man coverage. And even Tyrell Williams in 2019, you know, he graded as the 16th highest, Um, receiver against man coverage before we know with the Raiders before he missed all of the 2020 season so and you had Galladay and Jones who since 2019 they both rank outside the top 40 in terms of PFF grade against man coverage so Dan Campbell is clearly making it a goal of his to build an offense that works around separation and the only reason that that has me slightly hesitant on just going all in and Brashad Perryman is I really think that that puts them on the radar firmly of drafting a player like Devontae Smith from Alabama, who has basically been your Mr. Separates. Like that's what he does. And that's like one of his best traits. And at picking at number seven, it makes a lot of sense for them to bring in a guy like that. And the fact that they haven't addressed the slot yet. So they have not re-signed Danny Amendola. So it looks like it's going to be Perriman and Williams on the outside. And if they bring in Devontae Smith, you know, he would be an absolute monster out of the slot for them with the line. So that's the only thing, but Again, right now, yeah, Perryman is looking like a super value.
0: There's going to be someone else added. We could also see Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. I mean, just see a ton of targets in their own right. But look, Perryman, he's been good with the Browns. He's been good with the Buccaneers. He's been good with the Jets. You know, it's not like this situation is anything he hasn't, you know, necessarily had to overcome before in terms of, you know, dealing with a bad team with, you know, an unproven to just below average quarterback. Cautiously optimistic that Perryman, again, in these later rounds, at worst, can, you know, just be someone that is going to. To, you know pop off for a few games hopefully give you some startable weeks and at best could actually take over the whole damn situation so we will see how that plays out two quick ones Andrew we don't even need to really dive into each individual but Keelan Cole joined the Jets David Moore joined the Panthers it seems like both guys are pretty much locked in as the number three they got a little more guarantees on the contracts and I kind of would have expected from either you know they both flashed over the years with that said Jets I think we're expecting Corey Davis and Denzel Mims to be the lead guys and with the Panthers obviously DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson I I guess the question for these offenses, though, right now, I mean, Corey Davis made news today when he said that it's his understanding that Sam Darnold will be back under center in 2021. And with the Panthers, they've been, you know, all over the news in terms of trying to trade for a quarterback. With that said, here we are, March 23rd, Teddy Bridgewater is still under center. How confident can we be in these, you know, wide receivers? Again, Mims, Davis, Anderson, Moore, good wide receivers. Wide receivers we like, but in offenses that have a quarterback that we just know can't quite enable. Able more than one if any fantasy relevant wide receivers are you going out of your way for any of these guys so
1: keelan cole is the only one that i would be kind of interested in just because he's actually flash fantasy relevance at times like there are times when you could have started keelan cole in fantasy leagues because he's had a roll out of the slot And I know that I read somewhere on Roto World, maybe it was a month ago, but that Jameson Crowder was potentially on the cut list, you know, or as a salary cap casualty. And that hasn't played out yet. I don't know if that's something that they're going to do. And, you know, why would they sign Keelan Cole if he plays the slot when they have Jameson Crowder, who also plays the slot? So I think that's kind of interesting that they have both those players with Corey Davis. And Denzel Mims working in on the outside. Usually, you don't bring in a you know a decent free agent wide receiver and pay him you know somewhat decent money and make him your number four wide receiver unless yeah. you're going to run ten personnel all the time. So it's a little it's a little weird to me there. But Keelan Cole I think is just good enough to hurt Corey Davis's fantasy value because that's what he did last year with DJ Chark because it seemed like you know we were going back and DJ Chark he'd be coming off a ten target game and then we next week okay Keelan Cole gets eight targets like okay sick like great now and I would you know I put you know whether. Davis is better than Chark or whatever. It doesn't necessarily matter to me, but I would put them in the same echelon in terms of wide receiver talent. So Keelan Cole definitely has an annoyance to him where he could make it frustrating to own Corey Davis, especially now with, oh, is it Sam Darnold? It's not Zach Wilson at quarterback. Okay, that's great. Like more inconsistency. So again, just kind of making it much more messy of a situation. David Moore is less appealing to me just in terms of his actual fantasy appeal because I, I just think Robbie Anderson and... DJ Moore are just so farly ahead of him on the depth chart and if anything maybe it just helps DJ Moore's role as the field stretcher reduce a little bit more so DJ Moore can be used more at the intermediate level kind of like Stefan Diggs was this past year with the Bills so use David Moore as just the vertical threat you can bring DJ Moore a little bit back inside take take advantage of his yak ability you know rep up you know, get him more receptions in PPR league so I like Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore still a lot and David Moore doesn't really move the needle for me on those guys
0: yeah, I, fantastic point about DJ Moore. He's the one out of these situations that we should be looking for because we already saw in this situation last year he can be a perfectly fine wide receiver too, a little more boomer busty than we would prefer, but that's life as that field stretcher. I think the best part of his game is with the ball in his hands when he is underneath. Yeah. That's what he was used a little bit more as a rookie, and he was fantastic. He set, pretty much broke the PFF database until A.J. Brown Debo Samuel came around in terms of yards after catch per reception, at least in terms of what a rookie was able to do. So yeah, D.J. Moore with the ball in his hands is fantastic. Obviously, more profiles is more of a, you know, just field stretching type. At least that's what the Seahawks use him for most of the time. At a minimum, he's not not someone that's going to be, you know, getting a Curtis Samuel level of involvement in the slot and underneath so yeah good news for DJ Moore that they have not to this point added a really legit number three wide receiver and yeah Keelan Cole man he reminds me of like Gus Edwards of you know he's kind of the Gus Edwards of wide receivers he has not missed a game uh, since entering the league in 2017 you know best best abilities availability as they like to say and he's just always been solid you know multiple different quarterbacks not great situations Keelan Cole continues to go out there and really make the most out of his opportunities so you know Keelan Cole is one of those guys where even if he ends up having you know uh, 80 catches and maybe get like six six seven touchdowns he's going to be you know a wide receiver 70 going into the next year regardless yeah. of what happens so good for keelan cole and yeah i could see him being uh, far more annoyingly involved than any of Mims or davis uh fancy managers would prefer to see uh, quick shout out to our sponsors now if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money you need to check out as we've mentioned them already organically on this podcast underdog Fantasy. under underdogs got everything including season long and playoff best ball best balls a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. So go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's promo code PFF. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. You can usually catch us, Andrew, myself, Kevin Cole, Jared Evans, on a few live streams per week over at Underdog Fantasy. Love their products. Same people that brought you draft back in the day. Andrew, we got two tight ends before we get out of here. First up, Jared Cook, the Chargers. I love... Donald Parham. I was, I watched every single second of XFL football. Like, I want the guy to work out too. But people, like in the 32 for 32 series, we had the Athletics, Daniel Popper come on, tell us that they do not view him as a true three down tight end. He's a backup receiver. And now we have Jared Cook, who, hey, look, his offensive coordinator was a Saints QB coach. You know, I don't think Jared Cook's taking $6 million there to sit on the bench. Andrew, I feel like we should look at 34 year old Jared Cook and, you know, inevitably underutilize Donald Parham him and just look elsewhere in this offense. Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. There's going to be plenty of production. I just don't think it's going to be at tight
1: end. Yeah, I wanted to bury Jared Cook, but you really can't necessarily. Look, you look at the last two seasons, top five in fantasy points per snap and per touch in 2019, second in fantasy points per snap, first in, in per touch last year. Like the guy is super efficient because he catches touchdowns. Like that's the thing. He catches touchdowns. He's used in the red zone and... If Justin Herbert's going to throw a lot of touchdowns, then chances are Jared Cook's probably going to catch some. So that's like the thing with Jared Cook is he's going to be touchdown dependent, but he's shown in the last two seasons that he can be relied in that, you know, in that way. And unless you just think Justin Herbert's is going to absolutely tank in his sophomore year, which, again, I think some regression is going to be coming, but they made some improvements on the offensive line, which is really good to see i i think that jared cook is gonna end up having fantasy weeks which i don't like saying <laughs> like trust me i didn't want to come on here and be yes like jared cook fan but it's gonna be kind of like a jimmy graham thing where nobody drafts him but then you look at the you know five weeks we're in and we're like oh wow jimmy graham is the tight end six. Oh great like that's gonna probably be jared cook next year
0: I'm out. I'm going to be ages. He's 34. He's on freaking what seemed like his 20th team at this point. Jared Cook has already had a fantastic NFL career. He freaking entered the league in 2009. He's been at multiple spots. His ability to stretch the field, you know, particularly down the seam, has really helped produce some great offenses. He did not look like the same player to me last year, both athletically, and I think the stat sheet will kind of reflect that it was a drop-off from 2019. I could be wrong. Justin Herbert, his ability to throw that ball is, you know, 10 times what Taysom Hill could ever be and maybe even the 2020 version of Drew Brees at least in terms of arm strength so I don't think you're crazy for laying out that scenario I know you're hardly you know pushing Cook as someone we should be actively (laughs) looking to draft but as a whole I'm just going to stay away from the situation because I think what we could see is an annoying committee type uh, scheme between Cook between Paul and potentially between someone else and people at the tight end position committees are the last thing we need it's hard enough to get anything resembling consistent target share there uh I am not targeting a 34-year-old along with a better receiving tight end that cannot block. Just stay away. The much more appealing situation is Gerald Everett joining the Seahawks. Now, Andrew, we talked about this a little bit on the last pod when he uh, kind of it happened mid-podcast. But I want to go back into it because we have seen some reports come out saying, well, Disley could just go ahead and be the starter. Now, Disley... Good health. I mean, if you want to talk about people being injury-prone, Disley is one of those people that you actually have to kind of wonder, is he injury-prone? With that said, he's been on the team. Everett, he got, you know, I think the same contract as Jared Cook, something that's nice, but it also wouldn't be surprising to see him be in more of a committee. At this point, I think there's just enough questions around Everett's you know, every down roll in a run first offense to have me looking at Tyler Higby, Cole Komet, uh, even kind of Adam Troutman in that second tier of tight ends. I want a tight end in this, you know, if we're waiting in the later rounds of drafts, I want someone that's at least going to be on the field close to 80, 90% of the time. I don't think Everett's that person. Am I wrong? Are you in on Everett? Because if he can be that guy and with Russell, Russell Wilson as QBs, as a QB, double digit touchdowns aren't out of the question.
1: Are you asking me if I'm out on the tight end that has forced a missed tackle on 25% oh, oh, of his we go. catches since 2018? Of course, I'm going to be in on Gerald Everett. He's been my guy. I'm going to continue to ride Gerald Everett. Look, will disley comes out is this pete carroll that's telling us this because yeah he's been really reliable (laughs) to listen to over the years that's all i'm saying i mean look it's so early right now you're not drafting will disley because he doesn't offer a nearly have upside look we need athletic tight ends you know gerald Everett has shown us that he is an uber athletic tight end in this league and if he gets targets he's going to be you know a tight end one in the offense again it's really hard to find targets but you look at this offense it's dk Metcalf. it's tyler lockett who again also doesn't Stay healthy all the time. And then who's the number three? They just got rid of David Moore. So there is an opportunity for a player to step up and take on that third pass catching role. And okay, if Everett's in a committee, okay, well, maybe he's just, you know, rounding the routes and it's gonna be will distance, it's gonna be blocking, and it's gonna be Everett used downfield. You know, David Moore was used downfield a lot, and Everett, that was part of his game that makes him a little bit different than other tight ends because he is frequently used down the field and targeted downfield. So Too much downfield action for me. So Gerald Everett, I can't quit him.
0: I mean, if you look at the Seahawks offense last year, I mean, they had Olsen, Hollister, and Disley pretty much rotating when all three were healthy Olsen had kind of the I guess he kind of had the lead of the situation uh when he was good to go but overall they had 106 targets like if we can get jailed Everett even 80% of that that's going to be fantastic so if he stays down in you know the clear cut tight end two range particularly if you have Russell Wilson like okay throw it out there get the stack he does have the upside I just think comparatively man there's a lower floor here because of the potential of a committee and just guys changing teams I mean look we're very excited about Everett because we're talking about this in March because free agency is cool. I mean, okay, it's better. Like Higby, Troutman, Comett, they had objectively better off seasons because like incumbent competition left their offense to go somewhere else. Everett's entering a new offense that has competition that we've even never even seen him come up against. So I just think while there is upside, there's still plenty of upside with the other guys, and Everett's probably being a little bit overvalued because here we are in March and we love the NFL and we want to talk about him a little more often. So we'll see. Still something to figure out, and you know this is kind of one of those things where every single year we start going through tight end. 20 tight end 24 and we go oh look at all these options at a tight end we have this year isn't that wild week five rolls around you really wish you would have just drafted (laughs) kelsey kittle or waller so i maintain try to particularly in tight end premium i mean you need to try to get one of those top three tight ends but if you are falling down the rabbit hole and you just have to throw some darts at the end yes everett can qualify for that even though i would take higby and others ahead of him uh one quick thing before we get out of here andrew pff has partnered with symbol that's s-i-m-b-u-l-l the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win symbol has blended sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. NFL Free Agency is here and whoever lands the top of the market player will be sure to see their team stock rise. Maybe you think Gerald Everett's next big thing can take the Seahawks offense over the top. I don't really think so, but this would be a situation where you could bet on that, put your money where your mouth is. So use promo code PFF and deposit $10 at symbol.app slash PFF to earn a free PFF annual subscription. That's promo code PFF with a $10 deposit at symbol.app slash PFF to earn a free annual subscription andrew we have basically concluded free agency we'll be back next week on wednesday to discuss any lingering moves but more or less got it wrapped up thank you for the help my friend let the people know what you have here on the docket over at pff.com
1: doing more draft content now that free agency has sizzled down a little bit we'll hit on any of the players that move in this second wave of free agency but for right now Sites are set on the draft. We're almost basically a month out and there's a lot of stuff going on. We got pro days going on. So the rankings got to get updated. We need to do mock drafts, all the good stuff over on pff.com. I'm ready. It's draft time.
0: I, you know, I think some people when they're already looking at this stuff in January, that's when we run the problems with overvaluing rookies. But good, six weeks to draft. Let's learn about the rookies, get them on their landing spots, move on from there. Good stuff, Andrew. He's Andrew I mean it's been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.